Is your daily grind getting you down? A Thermospas hot tub may be the solution. Just a few minutes under those powerful, soothing jets, and all your stress seems to melt away, like you're lying on a cloud of bubbles. You'll not only feel better, but sleep better, too. Call 877-861-4672 now. And for a limited time, save $1,250. Call 877-861-4672 or visit thermospas.com to schedule a free on-site assessment. This podcast may discuss topics graphic in nature and possibly triggering to survivors. We value the safety and well-being of all of our listeners. So please practice personal discretion. Now, enjoy the show. Hey, I'm Paige. And I'm Natalie. We're the hosts of the Murder Diaries podcast. We bonded over tacos and true crime after we matched on Bumble BFF. You know, like any normal millennial using an app to meet new friends. Every Thursday, we upload a new episode. In each episode of The Murder Diaries, we tell true crime one story at a time. One week, it's my turn. And the next week, it's mine. You still think it's in my head, but I'm walking with the dead. All right, Paige, I've been following this case for three years. It first caught my attention late one night while I was lurking web sleuths, as one does, and was shocked that there was so little. I mean, imagine the absolute bare minimum amount of information on the case, despite the fact that it start, it you know happened in 2018. A man goes missing, his partner doesn't report it until the next day, and the trail goes cold. Or at least that was the case until January 2021. Literally within the last two weeks, there's been a major development. And while we still don't have all the answers, I felt more compelled than ever to share. This is the story of Zachary Lucas Rose. February 2nd, 2018 was a typical Friday for Zachary. Zachary, who was 27 at the time, spent the day at the office He worked as an engineer at BioRad, a biotech research firm in Hercules, California. And that's a small city in Contra Costa County, 10 miles north of Berkeley, otherwise known as NorCal or the Bay Area. And if you're familiar with GSK, that's where Paul Holes used to work, Contra Costa County. Now, we don't have the name of the coworker that Zachary spoke to, but at some point during the workday, Zachary got to talking about his laid-back plans for the weekend, which also happened to be Super Bowl weekend. Zachary didn't mention whether he'd be watching the game, and none of the articles acknowledge whether he was a fan of the Patriots, the Eagles, or even football in general, and those were the teams playing. However, he did plan on dedicating time to playing the piano. And this isn't surprising since he seems to have been a really a musically gifted individual who enjoyed making music. In fact, a teeny tiny side note, according to the sfgate.com, Zachary was part of a wind symphony in college. Did you know what a wind symphony is? I had to look it up. Well, I would say I wouldn't know it to the point that I could give you like a full-on definition. I could tell you what I think it is. Sure. The part of the orchestra that holds like the wind instruments ding 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 you're right (laughs) all right there we go okay yeah i mean i don't really have anything else 
about his time in the Wind Symphony. I, I thought it was pretty cool. It is very cool because I would imagine at the college level, you're going to be auditioning right. to be part of something like that. So, yeah. Well, and I think it just expands on his personality and what he was like because we hear engineer and we think very numbers. Yeah, numbers and very mathematical and scientific. And then we hear, you know, someone being a part of a symphony in college and that seems very artistic. So he had both ends of the spectrum personality-wise. He was very well-rounded. Yeah, he's working his left brain, his right brain. Exactly. Very well-rounded, just like you said. So that Friday, Zachary left work at 5.37 p.m. We don't know exactly how that time came to be. It's just in several of the articles. So I'm assuming he either clocked out or he walked out with someone, whatever it is. 5.37 p.m. is the agreed-upon time. But he didn't go home to his condo in Hercules. Instead, security footage and bridge-crossing photos confirmed that he drove his white pickup truck from Biorad in Hercules, that's where he worked, to Fairfield. And now I looked this up on Google Maps, and according to Google Maps, it's an approximately 27-minute, 21-mile drive north via the I-80. Now you're probably wondering, what was he doing in Fairfield? Well, his 40-year-old on-again, off-again boyfriend, Phil Lassiter, has a home in Fairfield on Shorey Way. Is your daily grind getting you down? A Thermospas hot tub may be the solution. Just a few minutes under those powerful, soothing jets, and all your stress seems to melt away, like you're lying on a cloud of bubbles. You'll not only feel better, but sleep better too. Call 877-861-4672 now. And for a limited time, save $1,250. Call 877-861-4672 or visit thermospas.com to schedule a free on-site assessment. The couple had met online in 2015. And this was when Zachary still lived in Arkansas, where he was born and raised by his mom, Robin Rose. I love that name, by the way. I just love alliteration. And not long after they met, Zachary uprooted his life and moved to California to be with Phil. So between 2015 and 2018, we don't know exactly when, but sometime in those three years, Zachary decided to get his own place in Hercules. Whether or not that was to be closer to work, whether that was because him and Phil were on the outs, we don't know, but it is suggested that they were on again, off again. So it could have, that could have played a part in it. So can I just say, I have to admit, I was feeling a little distracted the last few moments because when I heard Zach's mom's name, Robin Rose, it immediately took my mind to Shit's Creek. And I feel like it's a name that fits in perfect with the Rose family. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. No, um... Honestly, I totally thought that while I was doing my research. I love that you brought it up. And I'm sure our listeners were probably thinking the same thing. So it's good that we got that out of the way. <laughs> we might as well get it out of the way. But okay, so back to Zachary's story. Right. So he didn't go home, which may have been expected. But instead, he's in Fairfield. Right. This it happens to be where his 
boyfriend has a condo, but we don't even necessarily maybe know what he was doing there. Do we have any understanding of what he was doing or where the cameras caught him? What was going on here? All right. So the cameras caught him as he was driving over a bridge on the way to Fairfield. We know that he arrived on Friday. That makes sense. I think I-80 might be the Bay Bridge. Okay. Yeah. There's two bridges, but um, anyways, yeah, it might be the Bay Bridge. Okay. That, that makes total sense. Anyway, so yes, we know that he arrived at Phil's house on Friday, February 2nd. What we don't know is what happened between that evening, that night, all the way up until Saturday, February 3rd. And what happens on February 3rd is approximately around 10 p.m., Zachary goes out to the front yard. He leaves the front door open and he is smoking a cigarette. Is that typical for him? Like, was he a normal smoker? Was this abnormal behavior? So many questions. It didn't seem out of the ordinary for him, but to be honest, no one really said one way or the other. They just took it with a grain of salt that he went out on the porch to smoke a cigarette. Now, according to Phil, Zach walked away and didn't come back. I'm going to eventually plug in the 911 audio for this episode, but I want to give you a few key facts. Phil called 911 telling authorities that Zachary disappeared at 10 o'clock p.m., Saturday night, leaving behind his cell phone, his wallet, computer, and the white pickup truck. He also elaborated that Zachary went outside to smoke a cigarette and apparently walked away, leaving the door open. But what I didn't mention right there is Phil called 17 hours later. He called on Sunday, February 4th. So what happened between Saturday, February 3rd at 10 p.m. and 17 hours later, February 4th. We don't know. Well, I already have some questions too. And where my mind immediately went, having lived in the Bay Area for a year, which very small pinpoint of my life. I was an adult, however. I was 18 and 19 years old. Most people in the Bay Area... I'm not saying it's like a not safe area. There's very safe parts. But in these sorts of areas, Berkeley, like the college areas, you're not going to just leave a laptop and a phone and things like that, like in your truck. So where are these things that his boyfriend's saying he left behind? Are they in his condo, the boyfriend's condo? I'm assuming that they're at the boyfriend's house. I believe it's a house, not a condo. And that the truck is parked in front of the, you know, in the driveway. See, that's just sus. Like, I'm. It's very suspect because this is a man who works at a high level type of job. He probably uses a computer all the time. And you would think that would be his lifeline, but he didn't bring it with him. He left the door open to nope. anybody or anything could walk in. That just, it, there's something wrong 
with that it's scenario. It's not a thing. No. I would say in most parts of just California in general, we're very populated. There's lots of people. You don't just leave things like that in your car. You're barely comfortable leaving them in your dang trunk. Right. Like you don't leave them in your car. I, I'm not, again, I'm not talking about it being unsafe or there's so much theft. It's just something that there's a higher probability of happening here because we have so many people. Right. So that to me is weird. And sometimes guys don't think about that stuff as much because they're not, um, I guess it's, it's, it's a male privilege where they don't have to be thinking about things or themselves being unsafe as often. So mm-hmm. yeah, maybe in his boyfriend's driveway, he does, he doesn't, I know my mom's friends, in the Bay Area, leave their car doors unlocked and their house unlocked. I mean, it could also <sighs> be, I wasn't going to bring this up until later, but maybe the fact that Phil was a police officer. He was um, a sheriff in San Francisco. Maybe he felt there was a sort of safety net. Yeah. Being the that it was a policeman's home. I, I'm not sure, but... Um, Either way... You want to add a little more to that weird pile? Zachary was last seen wearing black shorts, a black t-shirt, and black Under Armour shoes. This is February. And everyone knows California is known for, you know, year-round summer weather. NorCal runs cooler. You know, it was gonna, it was cold still. The Bay makes the Bay Area very chilly. Like if you're talking about Southern California versus NorCal or versus Bay Area specifically, you're talking 20, 30 degrees cooler. Exactly. Literally on any day. And it's quite lovely because the sun is still out often. But uh, yeah, he usually you're going to bundle up. You layer. Right. You have to like layer. you got the shirt and the jacket and you, you know, you can go on and off. So I, I don't know what he's doing at night without being a bit more bundled up. Right. I mean, it sounds like a man who went out on the patio, the porch, whatever you want to call it, to smoke a cigarette with the intention of coming back in. But as we know, that didn't happen. So how could Zachary Rose, a man who stood six feet, one inch, and weighed 240 pounds, disappear into thin air? Better yet, why would Zachary leave without a trace? And who would want to make him disappear without a trace and why? Exactly. These are the questions we need answers to. 100%. He had no criminal record and no history of mental illness. Things seemed to be going well for Zachary. He had nothing to run from, at least from my research. You know, it it seemed like he had a really good life. He had good standing with his coworkers, his mom, just everyone in his circle. And he certainly wasn't the type of person to take risks or walks for that matter. His mom, Robin, told an NBC Bay Area publication that the story didn't add up, the story that Phil told the police. She said her son would never leave without his phone, number one. And she said, and this cracked me up because this is such a mom comment. Zach didn't walk anywhere voluntarily, <laughs> especially late at night in the middle of winter. I'm just, I'm giggling because like I could hear my parents saying the same thing about me. And there's a lot of reasons why I wouldn't be walking anywhere voluntarily 
at night, but it is such a mom comment. And it's actually kind of endearing too. Like, right. In so many ways, she's also really standing up for who her son was. Like, nope, I know him. There was nowhere he would have been interested in at walking to, like, to walk to at night. Like, exactly. That's just not a thing. We don't walk anywhere in the U.S. Anyways, maybe if you live in a bigger city, maybe. We don't walk. Like, we didn't even build our suburbs to be able to walk anywhere useful. I did give a little bit of a description, a physical description about him. A few minutes ago, he was six foot one, 240. He may not have been overweight, but he wasn't like an athletic build, someone who did, you know, go on walks for fun. It sounded like he was more of a person who enjoyed his indoor time. And that's okay. Me too. And you could still lift and not exactly do a lot of cardio. And honestly, sometimes law enforcement can be somewhat active. So now I'm going to go ahead and play the 911 call for you, Paige. So once we listen to it, we'll come back and then you can kind of give me your impression of it. All right. Let's hear it. Fairfield Police and Fire. This is Kathleen. Hi, Kathleen. Um, I need to, um, uh, I guess, report someone missing. Okay. Who is it to you? It's my partner. And is there anyone he would be with at all? Um, not that I'm aware of. No. So I have things to say about the 911 call that we just listened to. Do share. But I would like to say this audio is from a video that is linked in the show notes. And the video does show Lassiter's home. It is not a condo. And I do want to do like a major correction. I know, Natalie, you corrected me earlier, but it's not a condo. Not that there would be anything wrong with it if it was. Just want to kind of correct myself there before we get too deep into 911 biz. Well, I think it's important because it shows just knowing the type of neighborhood even that he lived in or where Zachary was last seen. It looks very cookie cutter. Yes. It looks safe. At least it gives the appearance of. It paints a different image in your mind. Totally. And now you've got the scene of where he last was, right? If it was somebody mm-hmm. who went missing from a bar, it's what's that bar look like? And in this case, it's he went missing from this home of his boyfriend, mm-hmm. which let's already talk about that. So we've got a 911 call. Hi, my boyfriend's missing. He does seem very calm. To me, he almost sounded irritable when the 911 dispatcher asks, and who is he to you? You know? My partner. My partner. Um, Is there anyone he would be with? Um, Not that I could think of. Like, he's almost kind of, I don't know, just a little bit irritable. I don't want to say he sounded like rude or mean, but just really matter of fact, like, yep, I got to do this call. And I don't want to make assumptions because we don't know what happened. But we touched a little bit on this. Who goes missing at 6'1", 240 pounds in general? But then let's add, who goes missing at 6'1", 240 from their partner's home? What? Oh, he's missing. How do you know he's missing? Because he left my house. That doesn't make sense. Who would even think that your boyfriend was missing if they left? Well, he left his house and left his vehicle and all his belongings there. Bizarre. But what took so long for him to call 911 and report his partner missing? And I do want, I'm not coming to Phil's defense because 
this is an ongoing investigation and we don't know what happened to Zachary. But I do want to say that Phil was a sheriff. He did every day in his career come into experiences where he had to be cool and calm and collected under immense stress. Is this his training taking over? Is this him being irritated because he believes his partner went somewhere and didn't tell him? I mean, there's so many ways to interpret the call, but it just, it didn't give me the impression of someone who was in distress. You know what I mean? Can we touch more on, and maybe my mind is just slipping, but where supposedly was Phil when Zachary would have left? I guess that's something that I'm completely missing. So... According to my research, he was in the home. Right. That's what I was thinking. And for whatever reason, he went to bed. So I don't know if this was something that had happened before where Zachary went out for a smoke, took off, and then returned home, you know, hours later. And that's what Phil was expecting. I'm not sure. But... According to police and investigators, Phil told them things were good. There wasn't an argument. There, we weren't fighting. You know, we weren't on the outs. There's no reason for him to walk away, which makes me wonder. Well, if that's the case, why did you wait so long? Yeah, seventeen hours. Wouldn't you be worried right away? Or is it normal not to be worried right away? Honestly, it might be like. Did I do something and he just left and now I can't get a hold of him? I mean, it does make me wonder if I was in Phil's situation, how long I would wait to call, not just because, oh, it took me that long to care or be worried, but did I think that they wouldn't take me seriously if I hadn't had a full day? Like, there's a lot of issues with that too. Right. So, I mean, we saw Sarah Turney's TikTok video today. She did... a a funny spoof, but what she was relaying in the video was how irritated she gets when she's investigating a missing persons case and she sees that law enforcement told her to wait 48 hours. So here we already actually even have a law enforcement officer as well. So he has a trained perspective of maybe what would come off as suspicious. Right. It's a very interesting perspective to be coming from when going through this. Right. Whether you are responsible or not, that's what really makes this really an interesting case. Right. I mean, he's the significant other, the romantic partner, and he's the last person to have seen Zachary. Right. So things aren't looking good for Phil. He may have been the one that, you know, called 911, but he's the significant other And he's the last person to have seen Zachary. Right. So what happens after the 911 call? In the case, as well as for Phil, what's going on now? All right. So the police take it seriously, which is good. I mean, we do hear about cases where they don't jump on it and it's frustrating. But in this one, they did. They did a general search of a few areas around Phil's home. One targeted area was Cement Hill. And 
it's a, an area that's only a few blocks from Shory Way, which is where Phil's home is located. And there was even talk of ATVs being utilized. Unfortunately, there was nothing significant found in the initial search. But during this time, Phil remained cooperative. And to police, that looks good. And who knows if they're giving him the benefit of the doubt because he's a Leo like them. Or if they just appreciate that he knows how stressful investigations like this can be and so and he's not making it any more complicated. Eventually, the police expanded the search and there were search and rescue teams from the Solano County Office of Emergency Services. But all of the searches proved to be futile. Nothing showed up. I wonder what they thought they might be finding you know did they think if he's a dude and he's missing did they even think they were really looking for a body did they think that they were looking for a, a body that had unfortunately been involved in an accident or a suicide like the assistant director of the oes which is the office of emergency services holly powers at least at the time that this search went on she said that their search teams didn't find any positive indicators about where Zachary may have gone. So I think they were really looking for any evidence. You know what I mean? Like, is there a shoe? Is there a a piece of clothing? Anything, any trace that would indicate that for sure that Zachary had been in a specific spot. And throughout all this time, like I said, Phil is reminding them, look, things were really good between us. He's being cooperative. And the investigators believe him because they had no reason not to. But that all changes when they realize that there was another very unfortunate event that happened at Phil's home several years earlier. What happened? Well... You're not going to believe this. Well, eight years earlier, in 2012, Phil was married. In fact, he had been married for 15 years to a man named Bill Volkel, who was 41 years old when he died unexpectedly in his sleep, at least apparently. Did he have any underlying health issues? Like what 41-year-old just passes in their sleep. This seems really off to me. Right. And you're not the only one that it seemed off to. The Solano County Medical Examiner wasn't able to determine what caused Bill's death, but he did note that Bill was obese and had a history of heart problems. And those could have attributed to an early death, but there was an unexplained neck injury. And the coroner medical examiner said, our office cannot rule out foul play in light of the injury. Does that still stand? You know how sometimes those things get reversed and they reverse it from unexplained to homicide or from homicide to to this, whatever, and it's infuriating, whatever they're switching it to? Bill's autopsy remains the same. Nothing's been changed. There's no closure as to what may have caused that injury. And so now we're 
looking at Phil and we're thinking, all right, so you have a husband who passed away unexpectedly in his sleep, but had a very unusual neck injury. And now you have a boyfriend who's missing. On top of that, investigators find out that Bill had gone to the ER months prior to his death in 2012. What did he go to the ER for? Oh, girl, I'm going to tell you. He had suffered what doctors suspected to be injuries that were the result of domestic violence. And they actually notified the police. But nothing came of that notification because Bill and Phil refused to cooperate. And that's where the report stopped. So now we have a history of possible domestic violence and a husband who dies mysteriously and a new boyfriend who's missing. That whole saga, and I don't know if it's because of double standards or what have you, but here again, I'm hearing of a larger man Mm -hmm. being with this Phil Lasseter and... I'm hearing domestic abuse. Now, I understand abuse can come in many shapes and sizes, but I'm just, I'm having a hard time picturing, while we're talking obese, he was still of the physical shape where he can walk into a building and that type right. of thing. And he was still able to live a his normal own, He was still life. living his own life. Yeah, right. he was living a sustained life. Um and it's actually, the threshold for obesity is actually not even that high. So I'm right. going to go ahead and state that as well. Um, I just don't want people thinking like my 600-pound life or something like that. That's a lot more rare. Right. Um, so why I'm feeling confused is because this is a larger man who, you know, has his life with a partner. So why why this partner would be able to get to the point of injuring this person can just be a little bit confusing. I take it as truth, but it's just kind of jarring. Right. And and I can understand your confusion because a lot of people who knew the couple were confused that that would even be a possibility. I mean, these were two people who seemed to be in love you know, we hear this a lot. You never really know what goes on behind closed doors. But they gave off the appearance of a really happy couple. They actually met in 1996. So they were together for a very long time before they even got married. And they even adopted two ferrets named Brian and Stewie for our family guy lovers out there. Oh, that's... That makes me like Phil. I know. It, it's, I don't think we're supposed to like him, but that makes me like him. I love Family Guy, and I love ferrets. I am still resentful that we can't have ferrets in California, but that's another podcast episode for another day. Okay, well, you're going to have an even harder time because I'm actually looking at Bill's obituary right now. And in the obituary... Oh, please read it. I have an obsession with obituaries, and I got it from my mom. I won't read the entire obituary, but I do believe that Bill deserves some sort of acknowledgement in this story. So I'm going to read 
a few portions of it. So we really understand the man who was lost in 2012 in a very questionable way. So William Bill Kendall Volkel, 41 years old, was born in Sacramento, California. He was raised in Woodland, California and a resident of Fairfield, California. He passed into the next life on Tuesday, April 3rd, 2012, beside his loving husband of over 15 years, Philip Lassiter. So it's basically said that he passed away in his sleep while sleeping next to Phil. It talks about how Bill was adopted and survived by his mother and his other surviving family members are his brother, his niece, his cousins. And it also talks about his fondness for raising baby pigs, which I just love. And it it sounds like he had a really big heart because this is a man who's adopting ferrets and caring for pigs. And I was going to say, okay, we got pigs, we got ferrets. I love him. I know. And according to this, one of his proudest moments was when Phil became a law enforcement officer. See, so he saw Phil from one point to another. And even if there was domestic abuse, for sure, which we will never be the ones to claim anything on this podcast, but let's say if there was, that's even more of a reason why he may have explained things away and just mm-hmm. understood who he was. It, My psych brain is going, if there was domestic abuse, what are some of the key differences between uh, male identifying and male identifying versus male identifying or female identifying? Like, right. you know what I mean? So are the cycles different? Like, this is where my psych brain's going. But right now we got a man who loves pigs and ferrets, and we're reading his obituary. And one of the last lines in his obituary says, Bill and his family have asked for any donations to be made to the legalization of ferrets as pets. Stop it. At legalizedferrets.org. That's what I'm saying. So legalizedferrets.org. This is where I need to go. Will is sending me a sign from beyond. (laughs) Paige, this is how you get your ferret. Right. Thank you. Thank you, Will. And there's actually a really sweet poem titled Afterglow in the obituary. Ooh, Afterglow is also one of my favorite T-Swift songs. But anyways, let's get back to Zachary. Did they ever find his body? Where are we in the search for Zachary at this point in time? All right. I'm going to get to that in one minute, but I do want to acknowledge where Phil is at in both cases right now. Yeah, where's his head at? What's he's kind of telling people? Because obviously people are going to be questioning him. Right. Where's your boyfriend, family, friends, the community? So what's going on? Well, he did lawyer up, but he has alleged that homophobia at the hands of the Fairfield police in their investigations is why he's being targeted as the prime suspect or a suspect, I should say. And we certainly hope that 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 is not the case. Right. But I feel like that's a really deep and important claim. He works with those people, that department. So he is aware of how things are. Right. So who knows how valid that claim is? I hope it's not, but 
I definitely wanted to include that. But I hope it's something that people can rally behind and make sure isn't happening. Right. And now I, I want to bring us to January 2021. No more than two weeks ago, human remains were found. Now, these human remains were fully clothed, and they were found in a, a field near Cement Hill and Peabody Roads. Well, apparently a drone was used and happened to see what looked like human remains. So do we know if this drone was part of a specialized, like, search for Zachary or just another kind of random drone flying around? We don't know who was operating the drone at this time. Not very many details were released, but we do know that the remains were found in a field near Cement Hill and Peabody Roads. And the remains have been verified to be Zachary Rose. So how did they know that it was him? Was there anything identifying? Did they find a driver's license? Like, how did we find out it was him? According to his NamUs profile, they do have dental records for him. So I'm not sure if those were used, but they did have access to them. And they also knew what he was wearing. And the remains were, like I mentioned, fully clothed. So they were wearing the same outfit, the same garments that he had gone missing in. I'm so glad that there wasn't what seems to be a lot of questioning when it came to being able to identify him. They were like, "Right, okay, this test, these clothes, here we go. And that's where we're at with Zachary Rose's death. So we've got a body. We've got a body. A suspicious disappearance, but we've got no arrests, no DNA. Nothing. I guess it's pretty early since they just got the body, which honestly, once you get the body, it's kind of all we need to do is prove that somebody was in or around this crime scene. Right. Seriously. And you can really get a murder case going. As you know, you need the weapon, you need the body, and you need to prove they were at the crime scene. And it's, I don't want to say slam dunk because I'm not in the legal field. I mean, it's a matter of time. Exactly. It's just a matter of time. So I'm happy for his mom. We'll have to stay up on this case. Definitely. I, you know, um, this is something that, is finally going to give his family some closure. Obviously, they don't have all the answers right now, but the, at least his mom can take him home to Arkansas and lay him to rest with her family. So I guess I still have a lot of questions, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners do too. One of the ones I'm really wondering is how close where his body was found was to Phil's house. And why that body may have been there. You know, those are questions that I don't have specific answers for. I do know Cement Hill is somewhat close in proximity to Phil's house. Other than that, I have no answers. And I I think that really just shows how fresh this case is right now. You know, they're not giving those answers out because it is an ongoing investigation and they've got the biggest lead that they've had in three years. 
And that's Zachary Rose's story. I hope that in the coming weeks, in the coming months, we get more answers. Until then, may he rest in peace. May he rest in peace indeed. May his memory be a blessing. Well, you guys know what's coming next. Until our next episode, you can find us on Instagram at the Murder Diaries Pod, at the Murder Diaries Pod at gmail.com, and the Murder Diaries Podcast.com. You know what I'm going to ask you? Go rate, review, and subscribe us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It helps us keep the good content flowing. Definitely. And until then, better safe than dead. Bye. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.